slide. I'll ping you. There we go. We're live Monday night. Ah, arms in the air. You're out. <laughs> I'm going to put you in the sideline for 50 seconds. Oh, gosh. What a, what a weekend. How, how, are we? how are we, gentlemen? How are we? To new looking for tonight. Uh, Tiggs, welcome back, mate. How are you? Don't raise yeah, your arm, good. 71. Very good. Yeah, good, good. Um, I've got, um, to honestly, B, I've got a bloodbath that I've worked a fair bit on. So happy to, it's only going to be two, three minutes. I'm going to, you know, cut CB's bloodbath into half. That's all I think it needs quietly, CB, just a couple of minutes. But, yeah, what a fucking weekend, mate. What a disgusting, not just on our game, but a disgusting state the game's in. That's, yeah, it breaks my heart. We will, we will touch on very shortly. Uh, Elton John's wig, welcome back, mate. Nice to have you in yeah, your geez. home, not in a motel, by the look of it. Yeah, I've got the industrial, sheet. Look, the industrial sheet behind me here. Um, I can guarantee that the internet quality, unless we have a storm, will be a lot more consistent. <laughs> <laughs> and Crocodile, welcome back to you, mate. Nice to have you back. Yeah, good to be back, guys. Yeah, as as Tig said, absolute shit round of footy, and yeah, some of the oh. comments going around, like the aesthetic of it, it's just absolute shit at the moment. Um, before we get into all that, I do want to have a bit of a celebration moment. We've hit 500 YouTube subscribers, which is a fantastic effort. So, a massive shout out to all the YouTubers out there who listen to us. I know VM, you're very big with your messages in chat to encourage people to like and subscribe, which I very much appreciate because I do often forget to say so. Uh, so, yeah, anyone else listening on YouTube, please feel free to like and subscribe and We'll march on to, to 1,000, but we appreciate the support across all platforms, Facebook, uh, Twitch, Twitter, uh, YouTube, the work. So, everyone. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> only when, only when uh, CB's flexing the guns. Yeah, true. But, uh, yeah, true. Much appreciated. Now, I was – I did – we spoke off air last week at Grokodok at the end about getting video in here. I did have a video to play. But it's turned it sideways, and I can't work out how on earth to straighten oh, it up. No. Which is devastating. So I won't run with it. It was a, it was a video I put on socials about my uh, goal kick from the in the backyard oh, at mum and dad's house that caused some controversy point. whether it was a goal or, or a behind that divided divided the nation. But um, I'll keep working on the the video quality to come through here. But um, yes, thank you again for everyone for for the subscriptions. Much appreciated. But before we get into the the Crows game. I know a few of us were watching the Hawks and Geelong game, and it wasn't just in that game. It happened in other games as well. But this arms-out bullshit 50-meter penalty, EJ, is just absolutely crazy that players are getting pinged for this now. I had to rewind um, the footage two or three times today just to make sure I heard correctly that the players looking at the scoreboard, raised their arms, and got done for 50, similar to Harris Andrews, um, I think on, on the Thursday or Friday night. It's yeah. the fact that it's been deemed as abuse is what's gotten me. Like, if you're going to make a rule, whatever, but don't try and pass this off as abuse of an umpire. Players are allowed to ask why a free kick was given because they're trying to actually educate themselves so they don't do it again five minutes later. It's it's just crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, let's umpiring is the toughest job in footy. And we do have an issue in junior and sort of lower level league football where they're struggling to get umpires. So we know that the AFL has come up with this because they want to modify behaviours on field and some of it probably needed to be modified, let's be fair, right? They wanted to do that because it has a triple down effect, they get better behaviour in lower leagues, they get more umpires, everyone's happy. That's fine. It's gone too far. 
Now, the intention is great, but as you mentioned, Harris Andrews, uh, and then today you had Gunston and Mitchell, and I'll talk about those in a minute. If you park them to the side, then you see the one in the Port game where he's like this and there's no 50. So there's also um, not consistency. And today... Yeah, Carlton had some as well. The player was actually going towards the umpire. And today there's the one where Hawkins got pinged for 50 because he encroached in the back of the area, and then he went like this. Now, that should have been a double 50 if we're serious, if that's what they want. Yeah, yeah, fair call. Now, the thing with Harris Andrews where he just went, literally went like that, there was no no anger, there was no aggression, there was no rudeness, and there was no intimidation. Now, they are the things we're trying to get out of the game. If you cannot have a situation where you can ask a genuine question, which is what Mitchell, uh, Mitchell and Gustin were doing, they were actually having a conversation with the umpire and it was going along fine until one of them went like that, as in, look at the screen. That's it. There was no raised voices. They were smiling and then it was 50 given. The AFL need to come out now, admit that the intent was right, but the application is wrong and it's gone too far. It needs to stop and it needs to stop before next weekend. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. And it's, yeah, the guys on... Uh whatever the game post the show is on AFL Fox footy, we're sort of saying or joking, it wasn't the rule of the week or whatever it might be, but it just didn't have that consistency across all the other games. When there was far worse, more, say, demonstrative ways that it was shown without being penalised versus the guys that were. But it's um, it's crazy, Tiggs. i ask you a question, guys. How can you educate or make a rule on feelings? Because that's what they're asking the players to make a determination on. How can I know if I hurt your feelings and show you disrespect? That's why this fucking arm shit is a shamozzle because some umpires don't care. Raise the rage, all these faults. If I raise my arms up or said, look at the screen, you wouldn't give a shit. Why? Because that's not going to hurt his feelings. Except if you say, for fuck's sake, Razor in a grand four. Yeah. Yeah. That would hurt his feelings. (laughs) Right? Saying, you know, an insult or a swear word is clear to find parameters, right? That's yeah. what we're trying to rule out. Like, you wouldn't do it in the workplace. Like, I wouldn't go to a work colleague me in serious and say, oh, you're a fucking idiot. I wouldn't do that, right, because I'd get put up. That's understandable. That's common sense law. Players can get around that. But how can I know what's going to upset Grocodog? If I if he's going to be upset because I raised my hands, he's going <laughs> he's he's to squirt because I've offended his wokeness. That's the problem. You've got some umpires that are hypersensitive about it because they're self-entitled. Oh, I'm an umpire. How dare you treat me with any form of disrespect and opinion blokes? And you've got the other umpires that are similar to players that understand a bit of latitude. As long as you don't disrespect me verbally or physically, generally it's okay. That's the problem. You cannot legislate against feelings. That's my opinion. Absolutely. And I feel like with how... Far to the to the right, the AFL have gone with this hyper vigilance on you know umpire abuse and disrespect and everything. It's left this hole where there's no accountability for them when they do when they do make mistakes. You know there used to be segments where you'd have Hayden Kennedy on the AFL app come up and you know he'd go through some decisions every week whether they were right or wrong and what the interpretation was. And I get that they're trying to protect you know grassroots football umpiring as. Um, EJ said there's, you know, they're struggling to fill those numbers at a grassroots level. But at the same time, AFL umpires are paid. 
they're not vol- they're not volunteering their time and they're, they're part time. So that the only way it's going to happen is if the AFL become either more accountable or the umpiring actually becomes full time and we we get consistency with with interpretation because there's three um three field umpires on the field with three different interpretations and that's what drives everyone crazy there's just no consistency with calls what about um, uh, the other interesting decision i think it was the collingwood game mason cox was on the mark crouched down and then jumped up waving his arms and like they honestly crossed my mind like is that now a breach of the rules because he's not standing and that, that is yeah. so ridiculous that that was even a thought that entered my head but I, I honestly wasn't sure if he was going to get stung for 50. This is how crazy the game's become when you start to question those kind of things, EJ. Yeah, absolutely. And I just noticed uh, the comment come up on the bottom from Paul Pitcher saying the uh, AFL, or they're saying on the couch that the AFL is saying that raising your arms is demonstrative. Now, this is where I think the common sense needs to come in because doing this is should be different to to ask to doing this, to asking. Yeah. Like that pleading, there's a clear delineation. There's a clear difference. It's all about anger, aggression. That that's the sort of demonstrative we want to cut out. So, and, well, sorry, go, Tiggs. Yeah, one of our listeners actually put a really important point, which is my fear. Right? They did all this too because of how it filters to junior level. Right now, people are hating the umpires. Are absolutely emotionally hating the umpires. You cannot tell me that's not going to filter down in junior football. I think I think the AFL's open a Pandora's box here. If they continue to be this, that's why I can't wait till Gil goes. But until someone there goes, you know what? Yeah, we're getting a bit too far on this. You're gonna. I wouldn't be surprised if I read a report that um, junior umpires start copping it, and that'd be a damn shame because yeah, it's 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 a shit in a handbasket. It's 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 really bad. It's really bad. Worst I've ever seen in my whole lifetime. Looking at the comments on the bottom, that was exactly like reading Twitter today. I've never seen Twitter, I've never seen football Twitter as angry about, uh, not the umpires themselves, as angry about the adjudication as today. It was feral this afternoon. And it's it's more noticeable and interesting when it's people who don't support the two teams playing who are the ones making the comment. Like, it's easy to get sucked in with the emotion of the game and it's your team that you're watching. But when you're noticing it for other games, that's when I think it becomes an issue um, for the AFL. But I'm, I'm yeah. sure we can we could probably talk for two hours on that topic. But we'll, uh, Do you want me to go straight into the bloodbath before we talk to the game? Because it's sort of it's, – it's not what we've just discussed, but it sort of just probably puts a full stop on it. All right, go on. And it, it, it segues into the game itself because a yep. lot of what I'm going to talk about is in the game. Yep. Now, Let loose. Yeah, let loose. I was furious after our game, more on our performance and, you know, and everything. But what it made me do, I made me sit back and uh, just, guys, if you can remember back, this is not long ago, seven, eight years ago, I'll give you a highlight. You had Alex Rance and you had Joel Selwood running on the wing of an MCG. I don't know if you guys recall the contest where they're going full pelt, opposite corners of each other just to get the pill. And they both get the pill. They both go as low as they can to win that bloody footy and they collide heads, right? That that type of contest builds reputations. That type of contest builds not only reputations to the player within their teammates, but also to the general football public. They were applauded for that contest. Yes, concussion is a thing, but I want to park that. It's a separate issue. Then you had another instance 
you've had, for example, where you had Birdman Evans versus, you know, um, Barry Hall, opposite wing, when Hall was at the Saints, and they're running to a contest and they're both going at the ball, so they both go in with their shoulders, right, to protect themselves. And there's a contest that happens. One comes off injured, but the other one gets the ball. And then you had our great captain, you know, in the preliminary final, sees Dylan Schill. They both beeline the ball. Dylan Schill, Cotchin goes hungry at the ball, goes lower than Dylan, wins the pill, but Dylan gets hurt. What the problem is with today's game is that three of those contests would never have happened. They've killed it out of the game. Rant or Selwood would have got suspended, one of those two. There would have been a whole furor about how on, who went lower, who hit first, why wasn't there a duty of care? Um, Birdman versus um, Hall. Probably Birdman would have got pinned, suspended for three weeks, because why they, they now officiate on the outcome, not the action, the outcome. Well, Hall got injured. He's missing two weeks. Well, you're done. And Cochin, if it had to happen now, he would have been crucified and probably lost eight weeks. What my point, and what's the problem with today's game, that I see, if you take a jumper off and just look at the context of the game, we I fell in love with the footy, one of the uniqueness about our game, two uniqueness is a 360 nature and it's contest. We used to brag that we play the game without pads, that we play the game without helmets. And I'm not talking about thuggery. What I'm talking about is courage. Courage of players to go in and get the hardball and get it forward to your team. Courage to run your guts out to close space and putting a body on the line. I still remember, and he wasn't a champion, but Rory Hilton putting his body on the line um, against Neats and losing his shoulder. You know, his shoulder got popped out. If he had done it now, he would have got, not the free wouldn't have been for him, it would have been for Neats. That's how reversed our game's going, and they're wondering about crowds. They're using the pandemic as an excuse. I personally now, and it's shame and it saddens me, I used to watch every game of football. I used to love watching every game of football. My wife used to hate it because she would know on the weekends I'll do my chores early in the morning, but then in the afternoon I've got a beer in my hand and I'm at the man cave, regardless of who's playing. I only watch Richmond games now. I can't stomach what I'm saying. Gil McLaughlin in his right, his legacy to me, with this wokeness that they jumped on, he's killed what Australian football is all about. That essentially is something he's killed it. And it's a crying shame. So, unfortunately, what we're getting is the death rows of the football club. I would never pay to go see a game. I'll go see Richmond play, but I'll probably see, I'll be honest, I used to go to every game. No, I won't. I'll probably go to the big ones, or if a couple of my mates are really keen to go, I'll, I'll probably, because at the moment, the contest, it's, it's a game, just the spectacle kills it for me. Yeah. That's my take. Fair enough. And uh, I think that the one rule that's brought all this on is the below the knees rule, really. And yeah. you see countless examples of it, Grok, where, like you said, Tiggs, there's players winning the ball, going in for the ball. That's not what that rule was designed for. That rule was designed for reckless people recklessly diving into another bloke's legs, body first, legs first, whatever it might be, with probably more intent to cause injury than actually win the footy. It's It feels like it's a simple solution well, for that part of it anyway, but there's a lot more layers to it, as Stig's touched on. But that below-the-knees rules is uh, probably the first one that has to go. It's abs- it's one of the worst rules that the that the AFL have brought in. And it all stemmed from the broken legs of Gary Barlow and uh, uh, Michael Barlow and Gary Rowan. Like, they were two 
like freak accidents. Like it, it'd be almost like the AFL introducing a rule where you can't smother the ball because of Nathan Brown's broken leg. It was just a freak accident in a, in a footballing thing where a player went lower and harder at the ball and a player didn't pull out in time and, and got taken out. And you see it um, these days where players are, are they're not going harder. They, they've been coached from a junior level to you see the ball, you go in low, you go in hard, you get there first. Nowadays, players are, are continually questioning whether or not they they do go in hard, they do go in low, because either they're going to take out the opposition legs and give a free kick away, or they're going to get tackled and get called for diving on it and give a free kick away anyway. And, you know, we see so many players now who who are shirking that contest because they're unsure if they're going to get penalised or not. And the media as well has sort of gone that way as well because 10 years ago, they would absolutely crucify a player for not going in low and hard at the ball when it was there for shirking that contest. Nowadays, it doesn't even get a mention other than, oh, they could have gone in a little bit harder. Like It's it's sort of become commonplace now with that that hard edge of football has gone because we're too scared about injuries. Well, the fact is we, we play a contact sport. The injuries are going to happen. It's part and parcel of the game when you are, you know, play, playing a sport that is as physically involved as what football is with, with the tackling and the bumping, even though that's, that's on the decline as well. But whenever there's a game that's 360 with tackling, it's physical, it's always going to be injuries and you can't protect it. Yeah, you can't pl- wrap the players in cotton wool because that's just not what it is. It's a it's a far, hard, fast game, and accidents are going to happen. Exactly right. And EJ, is this the biggest issue underlying that the AFL will never admit to, that the league's actual concern is about future lawsuits? Is this why all these kind of rules are coming into play for self-preservation? Like you hear about some of these lawsuits coming out about concussions and things like that. Is it a self-preservation tactic under, like in the deep, deep down surface? Um, without us knowing the answer, I strongly suspect that that's the case. Um, and going on both what Tiggs and Grock have just said, uh, I really enjoyed today's game. It was a good game to watch, the Hawthorne Geelong game. But even so, I actually, and my wife, strangely watching, and I had no one else to talk to, so that was pretty painful. <laughs> but um, I actually mentioned three or four times, he's chosen not to enter the contest there. Yeah, well, that's not our game. Our game isn't a choice about to, to choose to not compete. To choose to not compete. That's sad. funny. Yeah, funny you say that because the one player I saw who I you can tell just from his genetics loves is that is it Newcomb from Hawthorne? Just a hard at animal. There's a few times I thought, shit, he's going to barrel straight through this contest and get the ball. Still got the ball, but probably didn't do it how he wanted to do it. Which is like you don't want people to get hurt, but it, yeah. It would have just been interesting if he was playing, you know, five, ten years ago, <laughs> what he what he would look like on the field in comparison. But yeah, something's got to change. Hopefully, the changing of the guard will see a couple of rule changes. Um, yeah. With with that discussion going on, uh, with obviously the announcement that Gill was stepping aside, Eddie Maguire actually came out and said that he believes the game is more aesthetically pleasing and in a better place now with Gil leaving it than what he was when he took over from Dimitriou. I think that's a load of shit. I reckon the yeah. game 10 years ago was in a far better place rule-wise and aesthetically than before Gil took over. What are you guys' thoughts? Agreed. Yeah, the, the problem, guys, like the stand rule probably exemplifies the, the wokeness of Gil's leadership, the wishy-washy, 
we brought it in so that the injuries look like Dr. Rowan, you know, the clear examples of sliding into the contest with your legs, you know, taking the guy out. That's what it was for. And then it morphed. The umpires misinterpreted it and it morphed. But the AFL didn't do anything to stop it. They didn't say, no, no, that's not a free kick. The other stuff was like the, the studs up, you know, the green, kicking the head. It morphed to any leg go up, you, you get pinned whenever the, they decide to whip it out, which they'll do again this year. Um, the elitists that we've got, and I personally believe it's the commission has rarely changed. The commission for us is our is the AFL House's handbrake, right? That's mm. what their job is. The commission basically is to not police the AFL, but, you know, they're, they're supposed to be focused on the state of the game. It's all the same minnows that are there. They're getting cashed up, they get their money, and they don't give a rat's ass now. Um, and at the end of the day, um, we've got the game. I don't like basketball. I've never have, right? I don't like the netball. It's not my cup of tea. That's what they're giving us. It's a hybrid. We might as well call our game game. Change the ball from an oval to a game um, to a soccer ball. We call it Gaelic football if they want no contact. Yeah, it's. I don't know. Like I said, we could go on for hours about that, but um, maybe we'll do a dedicated show one day to all the rule changes we would implement and see how we go with it. But uh, we do have to move on to, uh, unfortunately, talking about, I think we've tried to deliberately avoid talking about the game, which has been good <laughs> yes. for 20 minutes. <laughs> uh, Richmond, uh, we did go down to the Crows on the weekend, sadly. Adelaide 15-11-101 defeated Richmond 12-10-82 by 19 points, which has bumped us down to 11th on the ladder with two wins and three losses. Uh, Rewalt, Lynch, Baker, Castagna all had two each with Cotron, Bolter, Edwards and Graham kicking one apiece. EJ, uh, look, there's a, some parts to like about our game in the uh, third quarter, but there's a lot that you probably didn't like so much, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, um, I, actually, <coughs> I actually was watching it with a father-in-law and I had to step outside and watch from a few metres back because... I was just getting really, really frustrated. And I thought, my father-in-law doesn't need to see me like this. Why did it take until halfway through the third quarter for our intensity to turn up? We were really passive early. We got monstered. We got monstered in the middle too. We got smashed on ball. Frustrating. It's hard to watch. There was it was definitely hard to watch Grock. Uh, I mean, you know, third quarter we go on a four goal streak. You think shit, we're going all right here, and then all of a sudden the Crows kick another four and, and push the lead back out. You've got Walker, Himmelberg, and Michelle kicking eleven goals between them. That doesn't help. But somehow we still found ourselves in the match without feeling like we were in it. If that makes sense. Yeah, it was one of those games where. Once we hit the lead after Baker's goal with, with the four in the row, and then sort of the procession of free kicks started where, you know, the Crows got two or three in a row that led to a shot on goal, you know, in the three contests. That sort of sapped us a little bit. And then from that point on, it's sort of almost like you, you could tell the players knew. You just saw a shift in that, that body language with the players where they... They'd sort of been through this before with the St Kilda game and the Carlton game where it's like, okay, well, we've busted our gut and they've just got that easy one with, you know, with a little bit of assistance. Let's call it what, it, what you know, let's call a spade a spade. 
But then from that point on, it was almost like we knew that it wasn't going to end the way we wanted it to. It's almost like our belief dropped a little bit because we'd, we'd been through that before. We'd seen it time and time again, even last year where, where we'd get momentum and two or three free kicks absolutely changed the complexity of, of the match. And I think that's that little mental demon that we do have at the moment where once a team starts getting a run on us, we struggled to, to stop that. Last year was the same. This year with the St. Carlton, with however many they kicked in a row, St. Gilda with the 10. Once teams get that momentum back from us, it's almost like we we lose belief in ourselves. Like we, we know that it's going to play out the same. And yeah, it was just absolutely frustrating to watch. Like you could just tell, as as EJ said, our intensity dropped, and once we hit once we hit the lead and it got stolen back from us again, it's just at that point I knew personally that we probably weren't going to win, and I'm I'm sure a lot of people a lot of people watching probably thought the same thing. That's it's almost a case of fuck here we go again. Like you could just see the writing on the wall with that um, with the goal. Yeah, it's a familiar eerie feeling, but yeah, it's just a shit game all around. Tiggs, what was your yeah, take on the game, mate? The umpiring, I'm going to park it. Like I've always said, I'm a broken record. Umpires yeah. umpire to the jumper. They always have. And with us, they get in a rhythm. They think we're, we're infringing and they always will just focus on us. That's why our teams get these ridiculously good runs. So I'm going to park it. I, I'm not going to give them any more of my time. This The Adelaide game to me was the worst coached performance of Harwick that I've seen in probably three years. Right, and I'll explain what I mean. First part was that selection, right? Why we pick rocks on a wing. His first 10 possessions were all turnovers, right? In the first, even though, even though I agree with um, Elton, we were we went in pretty passive. The first five minutes, we were all over them. But every time we went inside 50, we sprayed it. We couldn't hit a target. We couldn't hit them by hand or foot. Um yeah, and also, again, having the arts as a medical sub. It was just lazy coaching. And I think that lazy match committee too. I don't see the rhyme or reason for it. And I think that bled into the psyche of the team. And that's why we just sort of took the piss. So we go, oh, shit, we're going to lose this. And by that stage, the karma was already set. And the, the coaching aspect of it really worried me. If Where I'm at, if you guys watching this and watching this screen, so where I'm at at the moment is our goals, Right. This is our goal front. No, Adelaide's goal front, right? I'm Adelaide's goal front, right? So this way where my hand's pointing is towards our goals. For some reason, I was screaming, someone better. Play. Our mids would set up, and this is when Adelaide's got the ball, on the outside, sorry, on this way. So this is the wing on the outside of the contest. The centre corridor was here. All the Adelaide mids were here. And it was time and time again... The Adelaide, the, we would lose the ball, the ball would be in contest, get, they'll squirt it out, and where are they? They're inside the corridor. There was no ring to guard them, to guard that space, to box him in. Why? Because our midfielder, our winger, is Ross. Now, it's not putting it all on him, but one of these, our wingers, McIntosh is so good. Why? He plays the defensive wing. So what his role is to do is if he'll press the centre of the square. That's why with us, it's very hard to control the corridor. We didn't have that valve, but we didn't adapt. It was about four or five, six, seven goals. They all got by just streaming in the corridor really quick. And that's why they were so accurate, because their mids are kicking in deep inside their centre square, 
pretty much uncontested because all the pressure's on the outside ring, not on the inside ring, and it's lacing it out to Your defenders can't defend that. And that, for me, was – and we fixed it towards the end of the game, right? We fixed it, finally. And how did we fix it? We rotated Ross off the wing. And but for me, that it's not just all on Hardwick. It's on it's – on, it's on, I don't know. He looked obviously frustrated with it. I think there's a lot going on, you know, with the dusty stuff and a few other issues. But, look, it was a shocking loss. Uh, we would, we did not deserve to win that game. Yeah, we got fucked by the umpires. I'm not giving them an out. That's anyone that even is going to sit there and argue with me and say they don't umpire to the jump up. Well, sorry, I don't fucking listen to you because I know I'm right. I'm, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do a fucking scomo on this. Yeah, I'm right. But I think I've got facts to back me now after the, the three years. But that aside, we could have got an even going at the umpires and we still, we might have pinched it, but we deserve to lose it. And I'm glad, glad yeah. we lost it. We didn't, yeah, we really didn't deserve to win that. Uh, now, EJ, you're a man of stats. Was there anything that jumped out at you that might explain some of our downfalls in the game against the Crows? Uh, yeah, our metres gain was way down. Um, we only had one player over 500 metres, and it was, of course, it was short again. Um, he's normally been knocking up seven, 800 or whatever. He was at 647. Um Vlosten, first game back, was second for metres game with 499 metres. Again, most of them went pretty good um, disposal efficiency-wise, but Parker was uh, fifth for metres game. He went at 47%. So he actually made he, – he, offensively, he was terrible on the weekend. And when you get caught on the turnover – and you've got, as Tig said, Ross as a winger, and I actually wrote the note. It wasn't that when we were going forward that Ross was an issue. If we lose the ball and then turn over, that's when K-Mac has got the wheels and the stamina and all that sort of stuff, and he holds a better shape because he naturally plays the wing. Ross got burned on the turnover, and a lot of the time it was Parker doing the turnover. Um, some good stuff. Um, Jack Graham's still a half a game behind all year, and he's just that half a step slow offensively, but he let out pressure acts again with 31. Um, Bolton was second with 21, and Bolton had 16 contested possessions to go mm. with it. That's a good number. Um, yep. So Parker, for all his negative aspects of the game, was still third for pressure acts on the weekend. So he's had four good games, and he's had one bad one. Yeah. I'm not saying drop Parker. You've got to – everyone has a bad game. He's in, his effort and intensity was still there. Cochin was fifth with 17 pressure acts and he had 13 contested possessions. I think everyone would admit that, you know, Cochin was really strong. But the pressure act numbers were down and the metres gain were down. Another, yeah, another, another stat that, that just showed how off we were is we were actually uh, we're actually ranked number one in the AFL for um, forward, uh, forward stoppage scoring, uh, going at 19 points per game from forward stoppages. We scored one point from from that source on the weekend, so that just shows again that we just didn't get that forward pressure game up and running. And I identified it last week. It was that transition from the crows from half back into the mid in the middle that that I thought was a real danger for us. And again on the weekend, it just with they go they go out wide and then that they cut right back into the midfield. That's where they get their drive from. But the thing that really annoyed me was was Bolter. I mean. Yeah, we're trying to get him, settle him down up forward, give him that permanent position. 
but Himmelberg and Walker were absolutely killing us up for uh, up forward, and Bolter looked a lot better when he was in the ruck. We looked a lot better with Bolter in the ruck than we did with Nank against O'Brien because O'Brien absolutely monstered Nank. But I think Bolt. I think one of the shifts that should have been made was Bolter down back. I think when he was in the ruck, we looked a little bit better defensively because he he transitioned back to help out, be that loose man behind after a ruck contest. But I just yeah, it's one of those ones where there were so many changes that probably should have been made earlier than what they were. Again, Ross off a wing, another one. Just on that, um, with Nank, I reckon he got concussed in that yeah. first quarter. That's my personal opinion. Then he ended up coming off. I think he broke his nose. Now, I don't know if you've ever played physical sport. That's endurance base. If you break your nose, you're, you're yeah. screwed. Um, and that showed he couldn't get around the ground because he probably couldn't breathe. So I give Nank a bit of an out. I'm, I'm, I'm happy that we didn't – we put Bolter in the ruck and we still persisted with him forward. At the end of the day – Losses like this are good learning experience if he actually learns and, he, and and they go through the review properly. You know, if we're going to lose, at least learn something from it. So I'm happy that you're trying to keep the discipline, you know, the learnings from Bolter as a forward. I think Bolter for us going forward to regain us our ascendancy, he's got to be a ruck forward, much like Gorney's, with the odd times going back. Um, the pleasing thing for me, the two huge wins for me was Vlosten's return to form. Yeah, he blew up. And he ran out, but his touch was still there. His disposal, you could see we missed it. His bravery to kick inside, that 45-degree kick. Short, he compliments Short well because Short's really just that long bomb along the wing. Um, when when Vlosten's got it, he'll look in corridor and he'll go that kick. And more often than not, he would hit it. Short doesn't naturally do that. And the other one for me, and people knocking, but I've been on him all for the past two years was Miller's game. Now, people go to me on Twitter a bit, Oh, I don't rate him. But if you look at how overwhelmed that they were, he rarely lost the contest one-on-one, and he saved us three goals. And he's, this is like the third week he's done it. Like, there was a contest where he had no support. The ball's going over his head. He's right on manning his, I think it was Himmelberg, and beat him to the contest, got the ball, disposed of it cleanly, and off he ran with the ball. And he did that two or three times in the game. And last week, he again saved two goals with the last man at defence with the punch. Again, on his own. So people got to realise he's only played, this is his fourth game. He's now been given opportunity. And I think we've got a defender here. And um, look, Tarrant is a great acquisition to teach our defenders. But I see him taking Tarrant's role in the long term and that we need to put these games into him. So they are my two positive. Probably the rest, like Edwards, did he really turn a corner? Like really, did he really? He, he showed a little bit better form. But really, it's 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 like comparing instead of pissing and shit in your pants, all you've done is just shit your pants. Yeah, it's a little bit better, but it's still pretty shit. He went it's over. Not, he went at over ninety percent disposal efficiency. He was yeah, all right. He didn't. Uh, not compared to his normal output. I disagree. It, not the, the hurt factor of his possessions. Yeah, he he got a little bit more of the ball, but his positioning, his ability to create, you know, that X factor in the contest, like. Bottom line for me is he's always been, if we need a spark in the centre, you put Edwards in there, right? You would get a fist or a hand. He'll would, he would be the shy Bolton before um, before Shea. He'll be the Shea Bolton. I'm trying to get better. He'll be the Shea Bolton that does now, that creates that X factor and gets something to happen. Edwards used to do that consistently. He hasn't done it all year. And even on against Adelaide, he didn't do it. Um, I think he's now at the stage he's had, you know, four weeks in. He needs to be dropped. 
Uh, we need um, to start. I wouldn't, off the, I wouldn't off the back of that one. If he had a performed like he did the week before again against yeah. the Crows, I would have said yes. But while he's not at his you know peak best, I don't think <laughs> we can maybe expect it anymore. I don't think he'll maybe even get to those heights again just because of a natural decline thing. But his output was better, and I'd still like to give him the benefit of the doubt if he's improving, whether that is gradually or not. I know you have to probably draw a line in the sand at some point, but it was definitely a, a much better Edwards than previous weeks. But we, we know that he's still got a lot more room for improvement, and that's that's a good thing. But Also, just... Can I make a couple um, of shout-outs? Yeah. A couple of shout-outs from this. Um, get well, Rory Sloan. One of the true, yeah, likeable, one of the true, yeah. really likeable Adelaide players. I don't know anyone in the league that dislikes him. No one wants to see that. But on a, on a negative note from us, a neck, we hate it when other teams do it. Stop it. I know we got 50 metres from it. I hate that flopping shit. Stop I disagree. It. I no. disagree. I disagree. He, I, don't, he... I don't like it. No, I hate it. I know he only did it because the umpires and the AFL are allowing people to get away with it, and yeah. I understand that, but I don't think that should give people the green light to do it. I'd like to think that we're better than that, especially being a captain. I, yeah. I know you I know you want to try and get yardage, and I get that, but and if they're not going to punish it, they're not going to punish it, but it's just yeah, a bit of a shitball. I don't, yeah, I don't want my captain doing that. That's exactly it. Uh, yeah. We've got to get out of this mindset that – you know, that's nice emotional talk, but the reality is every side does it to us, every fucking one, everyone, and they get away with it. If we start doing it back to them, I'm all for it. Now, at the end of the day, uh, you've got to get in the trenches. So what Nank did, it was at a crucial time. They had got an easy goal for a bullshit free, so he's played for it. I get why he's done it. My shout-out, can I have just a quick rock and then I'll shut up? Two shout-outs. First shout-out is to... Um, that hack from West Coast is on Twitter. I forgot Schofield and Ka- Karen Corns. <laughs> go fuck yourself. They try to throw Nanky for what happened to Ryder. The difference, you Muppets, it was in play. And Nan Curvis is very big. The ball was actually in the contest where the other two occasions the rucks got done, it wasn't. And also, Nank's quite tall. He actually got concussed. He hit his head. Why he bent down to get the ball? So fuck off your flogs. And the other one, Tex, go fuck yourself, mate. Mate, seriously, you're just – yeah, you had a great game. I'll give you that. But you're still a thug. Yeah, a very good a game. Thug, mate, and, and if you're going to stand over our ex-captain, and I'm pissed off with a lot of our side, they didn't wave the flag other than one player. That was so unrichmond. You're going to stand over someone, he just pushed you off the foot. He didn't kick you. It was a slight push. And, mate, you're a pig. You're a pig of a bloke. You've proved that many times. That's yeah. sorry. Yeah, so my thoughts on the whole Nank thing is, like, it's a little bit of karma for us because as 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 good as they are defenders, Rance and Grimes used to do that shit week in and week out. The oh let's let's get that free downfield because you know we'll stop the opposition from scoring. And teams have started doing it back to us and we're we're cracking the shits a little bit. But I look at it and say, Well, we've done it so often, it's a you know, it's I can't really say much about it because you know, it'd make me a hypocrite if I lambast another team for that when we've made a bit of a habit, especially Grimes, of doing that. The only thing I didn't like about it was Nank, given that he's supposedly the, the tough man of the side, the hard man. For him to go down that easily, I mean, it just wasn't... Twice. A good look. Yeah. <laughs> but, 
it was twice. Yeah. It was a small dude. You can kind of get it. It's like, you know, I've slammed Tex Walker for it many times. Like, how does a dude that tall go down so easily? And Charlie Dixon in marking contests. Like, I get, you know, if they're not going to stamp it out, people are going to take advantage of it. But I think we just yeah. need to try and be a little bit better than it's uh, hopefully yeah. going forward. But it's, it's an effective strategy, but it's just, a, it's just it's not bad a look, good look. But yeah. Yeah, my, my shout out is Dan Rioli. I mean, even. Like his game on Rochelle up until that damn wall broke with those, you know, ridiculous free kicks. I mean, he'd absolutely towed Rochelle yeah. up up until halfway through the third quarter. And that was a matchup that you wanted to see, see Tiggs. You mentioned that last week. Yeah. So kudos to you. That was a that was a good call. And yeah, I think for someone who's still learning the ropes, keeping their most exciting player absolutely under wraps for for two and a half quarters in a game where we we were absolutely atrocious and the ball was coming in as often as it was against the Crows, he, he did well. He and did. Brock, can I thank you for that? Because Michael never gives me any cream. So thank <laughs> you for that, mate. All right, we'll, we'll quickly wrap up with our 3-2-1 votes. I won't do my votes because I did actually get CB's votes. So his votes were three for Koch, two for Prestia, one for Ross. I didn't check if that was a piss take or legit, but I'll take yeah. his word for it. Uh, EJ, who are you going for your three, two, and one? Uh, three for Koch, uh, two for Bolton, and one for Vloston. Until he blew up in that first half, he was sensational for us. Very good return from Vloston, I, I agree. Yeah. Uh, Grok? Yeah, I'll give... Uh... I'd say three to Bolton. I think his his pressure acts and his contested ball went a long way to keeping us competitive for as long as we were. Koch for two. I think that's easily the best game he's played for us for quite a while, and it's nice to see him building on last week. And one, Prestia. I think those three were the main reasons why we were so competitive for so long. Fair enough. Uh, Tiggs, your three, two, one. Yeah, I'm similar to Brock in the sense three for Bolton. Um, uh, or Shay, so people know I'm starting to get better. Shay, um, yeah, three to Shay. He, he's 16 contested possession. He just blew up at the end. He was doing all the work. My two was for Prestia. Um, again, he'd had a defensive game. It was his second game back from a you know uh, an injury, so he flattered, he plateaued, but even his plateau level was still really consistent. So I want to reward that. Reward that. And my number one was Rioli. I, I just think he's hitting now a point where he knows his role. He knows what's required, and he played a perfectly defensive game. Obviously, to the Blue Maggots got involved and tried to hinder it. But, yeah, that's my 3-2-1. Very good. The, the only other player that I had in mind that none of you mentioned, uh, I had Liam Baker in there because I thought when we got back into the game that he was pretty yeah. instrumental with his forward craft, his pressure, his goal sense. But, uh, yeah, pretty slim pickings outside of, uh, outside of that. So, no, thank you for your votes, gentlemen. Much appreciated. Um, all right, we'll quickly touch on the VFL very quickly before we get on to the Melbourne game. Uh, our VFL team had a 25-point win over Carlton, who were sitting on top of the ladder, so that's a very good scalp to get. I think it was away as well. Stack played with 23 disposals, three goals and six marks. Judson Clark, Kane Lambert uh, also kicked two goals. And according to the website, they have Art Stack, RCD, Mansell, Rioli Jr., all noted for their running, hunting and chasing uh, of the Blues. So good to see some names popping up consistently. Um, what did you make of... Did you see any of it, EJ? Is is Stack, based on those numbers, half a chance to come in? Kane Lambert, I mean, how how many more times do we play him in the VFL? There's just so many questions and that could change the makeup of our team. 
I had family here, so I didn't see the VFL game. Um, even if Stack had the world's best game, I think he's got to bide his time because he has to put a few together because he's probably let us down a little bit uh, in a number of ways. Um, if that's uh, a second good game from Lambert, I reckon he's front of the queue to come back in this week. And did you say that Arts was good? I don't I really, care. I don't really no, care how good he is. I don't want to no, hear the, webs- <laughs> the website just mentioned it. that he was hunting people down. <laughs> yeah. okay. I saw the entire game, right? Okay. Um, for me, for me, straight away, Stack, yeah, he, he, he had a bit more disposal. Um, he got some, you know, a couple, three goals. Two of them I rated. One of them was an easy, cheap big one at the pocket that he got off general play. Look, he's now hit a level. I would say he needs to stay three more weeks in the VFL just to make that consistent because his consistency is still up and down. So I wouldn't bring Stack in. The one kid I would bring in, I know I was going about Sonsi, but for me that deserves his spot in the AFL senior team is Judson Clark because of the position he plays. It's small forward. I hate how people disrespect Castagna. He's he's fucking doing. He's he's having a good season. I he's would put two goals. He's, yeah, yeah. I put he, I put Clark in the opposite pocket. Right, that's who I'd be playing. He's fast, loves to run at the ball, knows where to lead. But what I love about him, you know, how Castagna's biggest issue is outside fifty. He always goes check side, you know, because he hasn't got confidence kicking it straight at goal. Judson Clark has the most beautiful action for a small at kicking for goal. He lines it up and it goes straight. Wherever he's aiming, the ball goes to where it's going. So he needs to come in. Lambert has to come. Full game, he ran, he batted his endurance, he's shoring the defence and leading through the midfield and back into the forward line was all there. And what I liked about him, I really paid attention as much as you can see on the internet, at the last five minutes of the game, and he was still jogging around. It wasn't like he was walking or limping or, you know, because of his hip. He, he seemed to seem as being as fresh as he can. And, um, yeah, so for me, Lambert and Judson Clark have to come in. That's just fucking a no-brainer. I said Rock, he was good too, Julian, but I wanted to see him to do it for a couple of weeks. Thank you, you for the same, He was good too. So you, yeah. you're on the same page, Croc? And I'm seeing a bit of love for Rioli Jr. as well, which is nice. Yeah, so... Obviously, I, I was a massive rap for Judson Clark last week. Um, so I, I'd absolutely love for him to come in. I think the D's, the D's have been a little shaky against quick smalls. That's one weakness that they have sort of shown um, so far this year. But, yeah, I, I agree um, that Lambert should come in now. I mean, if it comes down to Lambert or Arts, I know which one I'd much rather have in the side. Um, so... And yeah, the the thing with um, you know, Arts is like his his good games are okay at best, but his bad games are absolute horseshit. <laughs> and we need someone that like this is where I'm sort of with the like bring stack in brigade because again, if it comes down to Arts or Stack as that sub, I know which one that I'd much rather have in the side because Stack's bad games aren't going to be anywhere near as bad as. Art's bad games, but Stack's game, Stack's good games, are going to be ten times better than Art's best game. So I think, based on that logic, I'd probably have, I'd have Stack come in as a sub and see how he does. And yeah, I'd, I'd bring Lambert in for for Ross on that sort of wing half forward transition midfield role. 
that's a nice segue into the the upcoming game. We'll, we'll, we'll continue on with the potential ins and outs first from everyone. Uh, EJ, who would you like to see in and out of the side? Surely Art stays in for you. Can we just not say his name? <laughs> like, seriously. You know, you're a bit of my mouth, um, Grok, when you mention that. With all your talk about this woke world, uh, Tiggs, that word triggers me, okay? It triggers me. Um, I think... I think what everyone else says, I think uh, Lambert's got to come in. Um, and I think, unfortunately, because we're playing him out of position, Ross has got to come out. Yeah. Um, uh, I feel sorry for him because when he plays inside, he actually goes okay. Um, I don't know where we are with Grimes. Is he... Someone mentioned he's available. Uh, I'm not sure if anyone else can confirm that or not, but there's also K-Mac. Came to McIntosh is going to be available too to come back oh, in. Okay, well, K-Mac comes straight in, Ross goes out, uh, Lambert comes in, and the other one that goes out, I'm not 100% sure. Probably, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I, I'll complete the script, the, the team sheet. Who, who else is going to come well, out, guys? I mean, can you, you can class Art as an out, I'm pretty sure, and then it's just kind of a juggling act as to who would be the Perfect. sub. I'm not sure we would put Lambert as a sub, but there's someone else who can obviously fill that role. Uh, Grok, was there any other... You, you had your internet, didn't you? Was there anyone else you needed to add to your list? Obviously, McIntosh was was the other one coming in. Obviously, he's the best best we have at that sort of wing tra- transition wingman, whether that be floating back or, or you know, providing that outlet kick on a wing. Um, so, he, McIntosh is definitely an in. Um, Grimes, I think that they're still playing it cautious with. He might be a chance this week, but I, I personally wouldn't risk it again. There's no point bringing him in if he's 80% done when if that 20% goes wrong, he might be out for 10 to 12 with his history of hamstrings. I mean, I just wouldn't risk him. Um, I think outside of those two, like there's really Lambert and McIntosh. There's really not too much. I mean, RCD did have 25 possessions and a handful of clearances and a couple of tackles. But again, he's one of those ones that is, you want that exposed form going through um, for, a, for a few weeks. The one that might be a bit of a left field one is um, Morris Rioli Jr. I mean, he's still a little underdone, but he has worked so much on his tank. Like, his endurance is so much better. And if we were to drop someone like Edwards, even though that's a massive call, I think MJ might be the one that could replace what Edwards is doing right now through the midfield and up forward. I don't think we'll be losing much out if we make that direct swap. It's going to be a big dilemma this week, Tiggs. Um, there's a few a few good calls that you might be able to address as well. That uh, Ralph Smith did cop a bit of a knock. He might be one that might be a little bit sorer yeah. and may miss. And... If, if you are correct with Nank as well, the concussion, there's the possibility that Soldo comes in for him, which I'm not totally against because from a pure height perspective and being able to nullify tap perspective, Soldo is probably actually a better option. Maybe not so much around the ground uh, running capacity-wise, but it's it, it may happen just because of the knock tigs. Yeah, well, um, first of all, can I lead off with this because I've been hanging to say it. Two pot, everyone just rewind two podcasts ago. Um I sort of predicted that Dustin Martin will be coming back within about two to three weeks, if you go back, listen back you then. Did. 
Yeah, yeah he'll be he'll be. Um, don't be surprised. I can confirm what um, Oki's basically said. The noise is really strong that he'll be. He's he, club contacts him once a week. He'll be at the club very early next week. Um, will he be coming in for Melbourne game? I don't think so. But I reckon, um, yeah, give him a. He won't be playing VFL minutes, but yeah, he's more coming back than he's going out. Um, that is real strong. So that's good news, but that doesn't mean anything about this game. For me, I think with everyone's saying we're written off, and this is the type of games that we win, right? Now, Melbourne are strong because the defence, particularly Lever and May, they're having, you know, they're a really good combo. But what their real strength is, is high ball. They're shit the ground ball. So what I would do is bring a team to suit. So, you know, the dirty ball, just scrub it along the ground. We've done it before against Melbourne. So what I would do is, so my selection's with that in mind, right? Ross obviously goes out. He's a winger. He goes out. McIntosh comes in, right? So that's like for like. Edwards, who plays bits of midfield, bits of forward. Edwards, you're gone. Sorry, mate. Have a rest. He can't apply pressure. That's Edwards used to always be able to do it. He's lost his tank. He's lost his, his, his initial burst speed. He's a beautiful kick, though, but not for this game. He's going to get chewed up by Medford, uh, Melbourne's midfield, and their defenders will just eat him up. So I would go Sonzi, big time, mate, big stage. He has an ego, Sonzi. I reckon he'll respond. And what I would do to ease him into the game, I would play him as a half-forward midfielder and wherever he's needs. He's a big body. He knows how to kick a goal. He's got a bit of toe about him. He's a beautiful kick, and we also can throw him in the midfield if you want to change it up. Now, everyone knows I love Miller, right? But Melbourne's forward line, take out Gorn out of it, is not the biggest in the world, right? They've got good quality powers, but you got French is not a, overly tall, but he's mobile. So Miller, I love him, but I'll put him out in this game. I would replace him with Mansell. If you see, he, as a defensive medium, he's, he's in the in the VFL's been killing it. He deserves to be rewarded for it. And he's disciplined, and that's what we need. We need people not to give free kicks, and he very rarely gives a free. And the biggest one for me is arts. Fuck you, mate. Never want to see you again. No disrespect. Love you. You wear the sash, but fuck you. I never want to see you again. Clark needs to come in. So with those four, and yeah, now people want to ask me about Lambert. If they don't do Clark, then Lambert has to come in. And I'm not saying necessarily he's going to go in as a medical sub, but I really think we need to be, we need to inject hunger into that side. Like, really, fucking career. I've been given a big game here. This is an honour. I'm going to kill myself to perform well. And we'll get that with kids. You know what I mean? So, and my, we need to reward in form. So, that's why we're a bit daring. People are saying we're going to lose. So, throw the bone to the dog, mate. Just let it fight. Let's our pit bull nature come to the fall. And if we do that and we bring our pressure, we'll win. The concern I've got with all the changes, but there's no actual answer to it, is I still think we, we might get walloped in the middle when you're looking at Petraka, Oliver, Brayshaw, Viney, McDonald getting it from Gorn. I mean, Prestia we know is going to do what Prestia does. Bolton's going to do what he does, but even he's not doing it for four quarters. He's doing it for maybe two and a bit at most and then kind of phase in and out. Cochin will do what he can, but is on the ageing side and hasn't got the toe to keep up with some of those guys. This is the part of the ground that scares me, EJ. I think that our backs can probably cope with their forwards. I'm not sure if Ben Brown's back in for them or not, but I know Fritch is on fire. Um, but if we give their midfield easy use like we did with Adelaide, they are going to shit on us in a big way. Yeah, 100%. Exactly 
when you started talking at that, at that point, I thought if Adelaide can do that to us, what am Melbourne going to do? But you said Ben Brown might be back. He'll give away 50 just going for the ball. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, look, Petraka and Cripps are probably the two most awesome, powerful beasts going around at the moment. And Oliver is just so bloody clean and he is so contested. Viney, imagine, you know, having Viney as a fourth wheel in your midfield. How good's that? You know, that goes back to us, you know, a few years ago. They're just absolutely in the prime. Um, I can see us getting belted unless we treat this as what it is. This is a free swing. This is a free swing at the champs. No one expects us to do anything. This is like when we had all those players out against Port and we went over there and we got the job done. This is a free swing. We expect, as supporters, we're probably going to lose this game. The players, they can just go out there and take a swing at the champ. This is Buster Douglas versus Mike Tyson. Just take a swing. Yeah. It's a good call. A few people have put in chat, and it's not a bad point. Uh, I know we've spoken about it a few times, but with K-Mac coming back in, for a bit of extra grunt in the guts, do we chuck Pickett in there? Whether it's from the start no. or what it might be, because he's tough as nails. He's going to have a, have a crack. I know he's got better better use elsewhere, but I just think our makeup in the guts isn't working for us against good teams. We can get away with it for stages of games against average teams, but then you see ultimately the Crows get on top of us, Carlton got on top of us. Um, it's just becoming a bit of an alarming trend. My opinion this is a perfect game. You mentioned, Grok, about Bolter, right? This would be a perfect... If I was Bolter's forward coach, I'd say, Bolter, you're playing on Max Gorn. Wherever Max Gorn goes, you go. And I want you to use your athletic traits on Max Gorn. So what that's going to do, two things, is going to teach him ruck work. You know, obviously, he's going to really... He's going to see what a quality ruckman does. But as Gorn... Like, Gorn is a, a, a threat forward, right? They use him. And, they, and he kicks goals from outside 50. If he's got Bolter hanging off him, Bolter's the one person we have on our list that can match his physical traits, match him in the air, but I reckon then win that one-on-one contest, bring the ball to ground and be athletic enough to stream away. So the reality is we're going to work to our strength, right? They've got Langdon, the, the, the best runner in the AFL on a wing. What we need to be able to do is he's punishing him if he fucks up, right? That's why you cannot have Pickett out, take Pickett out of the wing. Pickett's a weapon on the wing for us. Now, other option is we've got Parker, right? But I'd be telling Parker and Macca, your defensive wingers, your defensive mids. That's your job is if Parker, we set your half forward, we want you as soon as the ball's about to run to the defence and then press up. That's the way I see it. In our golden years, where we where we beat all sides, you keep in mind, Melbourne's only beat us once, which was last year, right? And if you – when they hit on their run, but why we beat Melbourne so often – is we launch all of our attacks from our back half. So, that yeah, that can have a great fucking defence and a great midfield. They've still got to penetrate our inside 50. We cause that stoppage and run it out. Their defenders aren't overly quick. Langdon is off is on the wing. So the rest of the – yeah, they've got a few quicker ones, but McDonald's not fast. Um, a couple of them, mate, Lever's not fast. Um, May's not fast. So if we can load speed in the back – What's crucial for us is that our wingers have got to be able to take a contested mark, right? If we don't do that, we will get more. But if we can do that, and that's why Bolter on Gorn, for me, is the win because Gorn loves to play the defensive um, on the wing when we have the ball in our back half. 
Bolter will be there. So he can then launch for that mark. And he's one of our best contested marks. And if we kick the ball to ground, keep it dirty, and apply pressure by running forward to goals, we will create trouble for him in a big way. People are knocking our midfield, and I get you guys on the same page, but we actually won contested possession against Adelaide. And that was playing so shit. I'm sorry, centre clearances, we're getting smashed. Contested possession, we were getting smashed. We turned the trigger on and we end up, I think, um, beating them um, in contested possession. Oh, no, sorry, not contested possession clearances. When we're getting absolutely smashed. And the one thing we do have that Melbourne doesn't, we got for stats, we're the number one scoring team from the centre square, if you believe it or not. If we win a centre clearance, we're the number one side in scoring a goal. The, right? Let's work to our strengths. Yeah. Just, just on that Gorn and Bolter, the only thing that's going to worry me about that is who makes Lever accountable if 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 Bolter's up the ground. Because the yes. last few times that we've played Melbourne, Lever has been the difference in a lot of the cases. He's been the one that's denied us entry after entry with the intercepts. So I think if we're going to do that... We're going to have to bring in a medium-sized forward to deal with Bolt, uh, to deal with May uh, Lever, and just keep him accountable. And the only one we've got who can really do that is Caddy, and I don't want Caddy anywhere near that forward line at the moment. So. I think he's we've got Jack Rewalt. Yeah, we've got Jack I mean, But would you really want Jack to be that decoy to take out thing and then leave? If Bolt is up the ground, that leaves Lynch, and Lynch isn't in the greatest of form either. And having to deal with May, who's who's Defensive style is almost the perfect counter for Lynch as that strong, you know, defensive style that's not going to get pushed out of a contest. Oh, I don't but he doesn't like the ball above his head, mate. Yeah. He's not a good – he's not like Taran. He's can spoil the ball. He's a, an interceptor hybrid. May now I reckon Lynch – Lynch on May, if we can get Jack on Jack on Lever, Jack's got this, the highest IQ of any of our forwards. He would lead him and, and move him to where he needs to go. If we come off Lever as a weapon, that's a win. I, if, if we're going to do anything to combat Gorn, I think it should be Soldo. I mean, Sol, Soldo and then keep Bolter up forward and then, you know, you still got the three tools up there to keep their three tools accountable. And, and Soldo Soldo's yes. actually done reasonably well against Gorn the last couple of times that he's, he's played against him because Gorn used to have a field day. He used to be like Fife. You'd guarantee him for the three Brownlow votes against us. But the last couple of times that Solo's actually played on Gorn, he's managed to keep him a little bit quiet. And any any sort of nullification we can get of Gorn's influence in the middle with that stacked midfield of the Demons, considering that's probably our biggest weakness right now, we should take. I reckon there's an easy solution, EJ, to the Lever May situation. Don't kick the thing in high. Lower <laughs> your eyes and lead. And well, hit the leading yep. hit the leading player. I know that sounds very simple, but when we do it, shit, we look good. Yep, and Tiggs sort of uh, mentioned it before as well. If 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 you haven't got someone on the lead, don't bomb it in high. Dirty ball. Get the smalls involved. Mm. Um, so yeah, at all costs, don't bomb it in high. If we bomb it in high, they'll cut us off all night. They'll be like what we were a few years ago. You know, with Floston, Broad, Grimes, Rance, they're just picking off things. What they do do very well now in Melbourne is what we used to do is no matter what happens in with forwards, they seem to be able to engineer that free man floating. And then that means that the high ball 
It's, it's just suicide. We'll have a, we'll have. I mean, we won the inside fifties on the weekend by ten, I think, sixty-one or fifty-one. Yeah. We'll have these bulk inside fifties and no result because we'll just get picked off. So if if Lynch, that's his name. I was going to say lunch. If Lynch isn't <laughs> leading, if if Lynch isn't a viable option or Jack isn't a viable option, look for the medium or the smalls and keep it dirty, keep it low, keep it messy. Just kick barrels in there. Hold the ball sideways. Make it really hard to mark. If you have to bomb it in there, don't kick a nice drop punt and make it easy for him to I've cut it off. A, I've got and, a suggestion for you guys. Just to float this out this, right? Like, as I actually had a good chat with my mate. Yes, yeah, so he, he filtered his, you know, with Langdon. You know, he's, he's elite runner. And he's not overly skillful, but he's improved his kicking, right? But he runs all day. He just doesn't stop running. What I would love to do is to combat his run. We've got one way. We could go to Rioli, who's quick. Not, not for the whole game. Rioli doesn't have to tank for it. But, you know, half through quarter. So in the first quarter, you take him for the first 10 minutes. Macca, you're on the next 10 minutes. Because we know Macca's an endurance beast. So, but if we, I reckon we're going to need to do that type of rotation with Langdon, put someone that's quick as quick as he is, which Rowley would at least keep pace with him, and then put us if we've got a second option, um, it could be it could be um, a picket as a second option that gives picket a bit of a chop out um, as well. So they both double team him. That's if we can manage to nullify his. They go through Langdon a lot. They go because of his work rate. He, he's like our Lambert. Lambert in our heyday could run all day, and he always got the ball and helped transition from defence to attack. If we can go in part to nullifying that, um, we'll go a long way to winning it. Yeah. If if we do have to resort to the bombing because it's the only way we can get it in, the one thing that I would like Lynch to do especially is do what Mason Cox did to Darcy Gardner. If you're going to sit in that slot and you know stand 10 metres out for the intercept, I'm going to run up. I'm going to bury my knee right into your kidney as I launch for the ball. Lynch needs to start using his frame. I mean, he's a big lad. If he's getting like teams are too comfortable just dropping off and sitting in front of him because they know he's not going to crunch them. Lynch really needs to start throwing his weight around. And if we're going to bomb it, just run up. Make him think twice about doing it next time. Bury that knee in the back. That's what all good Ford should do. All right, we'll, uh, we'll get some tips, including margin. Actually, the, the only matchup I want to get your thoughts on, everyone, just a, a quick one word. Uh, who's going to play on Fritch? Because he seems to be their danger up forward, kicking goals at will in uh, recent times. Or we'll go around the table. EJ, who's playing on Fritch? Uh, now that Vlaz is back and we have a floater, I'd put Broad on him. Broad's got, bad call. Broad's got great speed. He's got the size. Um, and if... If we are playing okay and Broad does run off him, it makes Fritch accountable as well. But I think speed and size-wise, he's probably the best match. I like it. Grok, any other alternatives or is Broad the man? No, I, th- I think it has, has to be Broad. I mean, like, the only other options, we've got uh, Tarrant, too slow. You've got, you know... Um, Rioli too short, it's going to get killed in the area contest because Fritsch is, even though he's medium, he plays a lot taller than he is. He's got a fantastic leap and he's fantastic overhead. So we, we need either a medium size with pace or we or we need that tall with athleticism. And I think Broad's probably the only viable option we have right now. 
And Tiggs to round it out. Yeah, yeah, Broad obviously is our plan A. But if we do bring Gipkis in, I think Gipkis physically, speed has got him, height has got with him. (laughs) And with Gipkis being a new player, you know, young kid, he will play a defensive game on him. Um, The only worry for me with putting Broad on, French, we lose out on Broad's run if he goes mega defensive on him. Broad is a great interceptor because he has been doing the Grimes role when Grimes has not been in, and I would not like to lose that. Um, But if, you know... Obviously, broad, but if we bring Gibkus in, I'd give Gibkus a crack at him. Yeah. Now, I can't disagree with any of that, gentlemen. Well played. All right, well, let's get some tips, including margin, for this one. This will be interesting, EJ. <laughs> It could be a head versus heart type scenario. This and listeners as well, make sure you chuck your tips and margins in the chat and I'll pop a few up on the screen. All right. Let me qualify this by saying that I've got Richmond wrong five out of five weeks so far this year. <laughs> um, I would say uh, Demons by 37 points. Oof. Yeah. That's that's heartbreaking, but not oh, all I just surprising. think the best team in there at the moment. So they're pretty they're pretty good, Grok. Yeah, unfortunately, my tip's not going to be too much better than EJ's. I think um, that that midfield, I think, is just going to bat too deep for us. So, yeah, I think I think Melbourne by forty-one. I think it might get a little ugly. Oh gosh, Tiggs. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you go, Michaels. I want to see what your tip is before I give mine, mate. I I'm basing my tip on the form line of loss, win, loss, win, and we tend to pull a bullshit win out of our ass. And re- like the Bulldogs game, no one really thought we were going to win that because. We were playing like crap the week before, but we pulled it together. I don't know if just yeah. So on that, I'll say the Tigers by seven. We'll, I don't really believe that deep down, but I'm saying it because I want it to happen. Optimism. Yeah. <laughs> weather supporters, you stay true to the cause, mate. <laughs> the thing is, people, when I tipped the Bulldogs, I think it was the only one out of the three of us to tip the Bulldogs, right? Yeah. What I said, I tipped the Bulldogs because their game style lends to our strength. People need to go when the last time we played Melbourne, Melbourne, we lost that game by 30 points. But in the first 15 minutes of the first quarter, we absolutely dominated them. And this is where Melbourne was Melbourne of today. They were killing everyone. We played them. In that first 15 minutes, we destroyed them. But then people yeah. got to say, oh, but Tiggs, we lost. Yeah, we lost because we lost three players in that first quarter and we only rotated 43 times compared to their 96, Right. Melbourne's game style has got is, is they've taken it a lot from what we do. And I actually think we go in there with the hunger, with the anger, and we don't give away fucking stupid free kicks. And we maintain disciplined anger and we don't bomb it high. We bomb with a plan. I reckon we'll beat them. And I reckon we'll beat them around about 18 points, 19 points. One weakness Melbourne has with every team that they've played, the shit teams and the good teams. They get scored heavily against. Teams will get a run on with them, five, six goals, um, and they struggle to defend it. It's just their midfield brute force eventually ends up taking momentum. So if we can stop them getting a momentum run and we can have one ourselves, I reckon we might win this. No, That's the problem, though. Teams this. get the run against us and they smash us into oblivion. Yeah. We have, have, we faith, have, have faith, fucking Michael. Have faith, mate. 18 points. I hope I'm wrong. I'm I would be yeah. more than happy to roll up next Monday yeah. and say, no, I got that wrong. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> As I'm sure we all would be. But uh, look, it's a special occasion, the Anzac Eve game. Uh, I know we've had some uh, ups and downs in that time, but if you can get to the game, there's obviously got the, the pre-game um, ceremonies as well. So make sure you get there for that. It's always a really nice occasion. Hopefully the weather holds up. 
and hopefully we can pull a, pull a, a good win out. Um, and uh, look, Dean, this is a really great point. At, at least we're not pulled out late, so that's probably yeah. one one positive yeah. out of everything so far. And it's still a long season. Um, it's still a long way to go. We just need to. Yeah. How good was that one going around, EJ on Twitter? That was very good. Um, we just got to find some consistency and just Harry's find got out. It. Not like Harry's comment. Just to give people a highlight, when people say we only lost by thirty, we lost the game. That's why we lost it. Yeah, yeah. we are playing shit and, though this time. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> no, look, I, I hope it's one of those backs against the wall type games, and it's you kind of feel like that. Dimmer and the experienced heads won't like to settle for what they dealt up against Adelaide two weeks in a row. So that gives me a little bit of hope that we'll turn it around. So fingers crossed. But thank you so much for joining me tonight, guys. Really appreciate it. Thanks to all the viewers for tuning in. We appreciate your love and support. Uh, Make sure you give us a follow or a like or a subscribe on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook. um, What else are we on? Twitch. Twitter, the work. So we're we're everywhere. Going global. But um, yeah, thanks for your support, everyone. And We'll true make it on Monday, and, and fingers crossed, three of us were wrong. Uh, and Tiggs can gloat and and you know wear his leather pants, and uh, we can celebrate him. Well, my leather pants sparked the turnaround, but then I got too hot and sweaty, had to take them off. Well, <laughs> see, you should you should be wearing them the whole time. Yeah, so it was your fault. So take it the off. You've got to wear them the whole why? game. <laughs> why hands up? Why? Yeah, yeah why? My fault. It's my fault. All right, thanks, there, Jensen. We'll see you all Monday night. Go Tigers for the weekend. It's Sunday Go night, Tigers. remember, not Saturday night. So remember, Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Sunday. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. Go Tigers.